I think I have all of my books out there. We've been sharing on a few. If you want to grab any of my books, they're journal companions. The things that you can use while you're journaling. Pam, is that an amen or a quick, very quick? Uh, it's a quick phrase that I think. We like phrases. Go ahead, quick, yeah. I, I think Tammy was prayed for and healed. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And Debbie? Yes. Amen. Praise God. Folks, this is Praise exciting. God. This yeah. is really exciting. Um, everything up there is current. Let's see. Everything up there is current. Oh, we're just going to go through. All right. Tammy, I need to get into this, don't I? Tammy was here first service. She came back second service. And so should we just tell everybody to strap in? Strap in. Strap in. This is big. I'm apologizing in advance. A, a better pastor would divide this up into three weeks. Welcome to Living Hope. Here is our Living Hope promise. If this is your home church, this is what you're going to learn. Number one, you're going to learn how to answer tough questions. I don't want any of you anywhere to fill over your head. You're going to learn to pray in miracles. This is really what this series is about that we're going to go into through probably Easter. You're going to learn how to hear the voice of God, both in the word and in the whisper. We want you to be able to say to people at Starbucks what took 20 years of counseling to get them through. Amen? Amen. Well, that was really enthusiastic. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. Because ultimately, this is how we love the person in front of us. Jesus Amen. loved people by showing them the power of God. And we're not afraid to step in there. Now, the, the name of this series is called Agree, Abide, because I can't think of anything better. I'm sorry, or you're welcome. <laughs> and what it comes down to is, how do we bring God's best into our world? And I believe it's a three-step process. Today is going to talk about the first two. It starts with agreeing, and it starts with saying, my brain has been behind every bad decision I've ever made, and I'm not smart enough to disagree with Jesus. And we say to ourselves, I want to think like Jesus so that I can live like Jesus, right? Yes. Amen, man, yes. But it's not enough just to agree. You have to take the thoughts he puts in your brain and you have to live them out. This is investing. It's not necessarily even, it's not enough to just think the right things. You have to do the right things, amen? Anybody have someone in their life that as soon as they tell you they're going to do something, you nod your head and smile and say, yeah, you're never going to be there. Right. Hello? Yeah. We're not those people. No. Because no. ultimately, we enforce God's will. Just like when the Allies landed on Normandy, they did not land in France. They didn't land, I'm sorry, they did not land in Germany. They didn't land in enemy territory. They landed in territory the enemy had invaded, right? Yes. And they enforced the will of the Allies onto their own land. Folks, Jesus has won everything. Jesus has given us every victory. Our job is to enforce what he won into our world. Amen. Satan's yes. a defeated foe. He hasn't quit fighting. That's, That's right. right. Okay. So we're going to jump right in. Oh, wait a second. Everybody look at your neighbor and say. Oh, now we're going. I don't even know where we are now. Oh, I don't know where we are now. I don't even know where we are now. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say something can be true. 
Something, Something can, be true. can be true. Even if you don't agree with it. Even if that's, yeah, that's true. Has anyone ever tried to tell a teenager about consequences of their actions? Yeah. Has anyone ever been that teenager where your parents have said to you, your choices have consequences? That's right. Yep. Are the consequences there even if you don't believe in them? Yes. We all get this. Correct? I get it. Now, what I'm going to show you is a culmination of what we looked at in the past two weeks, John 14 through 17. Everything you're going to see there is true, even if you don't agree with it, and even if it's not a part of your life. And this is either good news or bad news. You can tell me later. Okay? Oh, now I'm really going back. <laughs> I stand in <laughs> Come on. All right. In Jesus' last message before the cross, in his final statement, before he go... Welcome to Living Hope. of <laughs> Jesus. Dan, click me back. Let's go manual for a second. Let's do some good stuff. Three, two, one, come on. Well, now you know where we're going. <laughs> We're going right here. Going right here. Before the feast of Passover. There it is. In Je- well, we'll let it build as I go. In Jesus' last message before the cross, his final words, he declared himself to be God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I, I stand in Jesus' last message, John 14 through 16, he repeatedly said that he was God. I am Father or one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He even goes so far as to say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This is the first thing we have to agree with. Jesus is the only way. A lot of people say all paths lead to God. Okay, but Jesus is the gate. Yeah. <laughs> and I do not believe If Jesus says he's God, you're saved if you don't think he was God. Jehovah Witness, Mormons, great people, deceived. If you don't think Jesus was who he said he was, I think Jesus has a problem with that. Yes. Is that fair? Okay. Second thing I know he said, Jesus said, um, trying to think. Dan, do you know how to connect it? That's what I'm working with. Right. <laughs> just, just trying to remember if we've gone through this. All right, second thing Jesus said. Jesus obeyed God perfectly. He says this at the end of John chapter 16. And the reason that's important is this is why Jesus had perfect results. When I, I drove out to, to western Washington to pray for my uncle who was just diagnosed with cancer. He's a nominal Christian, and I said really simply. I said if Jesus was standing here, you would be completely healed. The reason Jesus had perfect results every time is because Jesus perfectly obeyed God. So God's will in life flowed perfectly through him. His blinds were always open. Mm-hmm. Completely open. I said, I'm learning to agree with Jesus perfectly, so today you're stuck with me. And that's what I pray for, and that's, that's how we approach healing. Jesus also says repeatedly, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask 
anything, whatever, huge word, embarrassingly big word. I think we kind of wish Jesus might be a little more subtle, don't you? Dan, we're going right here. Good. Let's see if I can take it from here. There we go. All right. Okay, let's go to the third one. Jesus declared God's works and speaks through Jesus. He says repeatedly, the words I say are not mine, they're the Father's. God speaks through me. He says the works I do aren't mine, they're the Father's. God works through me. He said that Jesus, all right, we already got that one. Jesus' perfect results happen because of perfect obedience. And Yes, in the name of Jesus. And then he says, it's good for the disciples that Jesus goes. And this is the part that's blowing their mind. They're saying, wait a second, you haven't conquered the Romans, you haven't established the kingdom, how is it good for me to go? He then says, the Spirit will work through us like God worked through Jesus. Amen. And then he says, the Spirit will speak through us like God spoke through Jesus. Now, let me remind you, this is all true, <coughs> whether you agree with it or not, yes. according to Jesus. This is what God and Jesus want in our life. Then, we are told to ask anything in Jesus' name. He says this five times. Five times in four chapters. He says, if you ask, who does the asking? We do. Okay? God's waiting for us to enforce his will. If you ask anything in Jesus' name, what does Jesus' name mean? It means on his mission, according to what he wants to do. If Bonnie gives me the Quinn credit card, and I go to Guitar Center to use the Quinn credit card, am I on Bonnie's mission anymore? No. I no longer have the authority, right? Yeah. Then he says that our love for Jesus is seen in our obedience to Jesus. Amen. How many of you know about love languages? Jesus has a love language. It's called obedience. Yes. Okay? You can say you love Jesus, but if you don't obey what he says, that's not loving to Jesus. No. That's right. Everybody have somebody try to help you and you go, that's not helpful. <laughs> Hello? Jesus is saying, if you love me, here's how you love me. You obey. Why? Because Jesus obeyed God like that. Are you noticing the pattern? Yeah. Our love for Jesus is seen in our obedience to Jesus. And he says that seven times in four chapters. How many people think the virgin birth is important to Christianity? You should. Raise your hand. Great. You know how many times that's in the Bible? Once. Three. Jesus does it seven times in four chapters. How many people think communion is important to Christians? How many times is that in the New Testament? Once. Right. And they were doing it wrong. Seven times. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. And then he says, our results depend on our obedience and our abiding. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you remember last week, if you abide in me means if I live in Jesus, Jesus creates the ritual agreement. I don't. 
If Jesus' rental agreement says no smoking and no pets, i got to take the cigarette out of my poodle's mouth. Right? If Jesus sets the terms... You are awesome. If Jesus sets the terms for me abiding in him, I have to agree. And then he says, and my words abide in you. That means we have to build a house for the word of God in our life. That's right. Not the word of my sarcasm. Not the word of my opinion. Not the word of how I think things should go. Jesus says, you, your words, you abide in me. My words abide in you. Ask anything. Because he goes, at that point, I trust you. At that point, I, I, I know if you say it, I can back it up. To you, I give the keys of the kingdom. Hello? To us, we have the keys of the kingdom. If we don't use them, is that God's fault? No. Our results depend on our obedience and abiding. And then ultimately, Jesus' will for us is fruitfulness. He wishes that we have fruit, good fruit, and fruit that remains. That essentially means the things we put our hands to grow and get better. Success, but don't think of it necessarily in a worldly sense. It means going forward and Jesus' joy full in our, in our lives. How many of you say, I need more peace and joy in my life? Well, guess what? You have it. It's Jesus' will for you to walk in joy and peace. You might not agree with it. You might agree with your circumstances. You might agree with your emotions. Right? Don't tell me I don't have enough faith to believe in Jesus. You already believe in your emotions. Hello? All right. So remember, we're going to go back to this over the next few months. This is going to be our long Sean list because this is Jesus' will for us. Don't wake up in the morning and say, God, what's your will for me? His will for you is to look like Jesus so he can use you like Jesus. But for us to walk like Jesus, we have to walk like Jesus. Right? So here's, we're going to go backwards now. This is the chapter. This is what precludes Jesus to say this. <laughs> Pretend you've never read this, read this before. Don't get ahead of me. Now, before the fe- feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing, everybody say knowing. 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 That his hour had come. What is his hour? The cross. The resurrection is the conclusion of the cross. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus on the cross. That's his hour. The resurrection is the conclusion. Knowing his hour had come, he would depart out of the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's awkward. It basically means Jesus is saying, I did what I, what I accomplished. Would anybody here agree with me that being a Christian, it gives you courage at the fact that if the worst thing happened to you on the drive home, if all of us got killed on the drive home, you open your eyes in the presence of Jesus. Does that give you courage? Yeah. Yeah, you just stepped it now. Watch out. <laughs> Verse 2. During supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Quick side note. There are a lot of people who believe God micromanages the universe and that God overrode Judas's will so that he would betray Jesus. Look at verse 2. Who does it say motivated Judas? The devil. The devil. 
God does not play both sides of the chessboard, no. folks. No. There is a spiritual battle. Okay? Satan is the one that motivated Judas. Now, God will use other people's bad choices. Just like he used our bad choices. Amen? Amen. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing. Look at your neighbor and say, knowing. knowing. That the Father had given all things into his hands. What does Peter say? We've been given all things. What does Paul say? Your faith becomes effective when you acknowledge every good thing that's inside us. Jesus knew he'd been given all things and that his time had come forth, meaning he's done what he's needed to, and he was going back to God. Now, we've already established. We have courage because we know if the worst thing happens, we're going to heaven. Amen? We have courage that God has given us everything we need. Amen? And so that, having that courage, we should not be afraid to do any big thing for God. Amen? Amen. What does Jesus do? Verse 4. He got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel which he was girded. Do you believe the size of this statement? That's huge. Jesus, just before he goes, wants to give the disciples one final image. How many like the fact God's on the throne? How many of you know that God washing the disciples' feet is just as biblical as God on the throne? That's right. God in, a, in the womb of a scared 12-year-old girl is just as biblical as God in the throne. This is God, folks. And next we're going to see God on the cross. And after he rises again and the disciples are out there fishing, he's going to make them breakfast. <laughs> this is God, folks. Is that amazing? And how does he show his greatest example of power? He starts by building courage. I'm going back to God. I've done what I need to. I have everything I need. So instead of going out and driving out the Romans, he says, I'm going to drive the dirt off your feet. I'm going to show you this is what power looks like. This is what love looks like. Is that staggering? How many people were shocked by the story of Abraham and Isaac? God telling his... To, to sacrifice his only son. His son. Yes. Folks, can I submit something? This story is one part of the bookends to the story of Abraham and Isaac. Because yeah. this is almost the shocking. Now, a couple stories down the road when Jesus is on the cross, you're going to see the fulfillment of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac means you don't bring the sacrifice. And you certainly don't kill your children, even though your neighbors do. I bring the sacrifice. And then what is the ultimate sacrifice? God's son. This, I'm going to suggest, is just as shocking to the guys who had it done to them as it was anybody who wrote the story of Abraham and Isaac. This is what God wants for us. We just went through this huge list of what God wants, right? What else does he want? Anybody here have a bucket list? Yeah. Jesus has a bucket list. To grab a bucket... And wash feet. Had a great conversation with the Andersons last night. We were talking about um, 
why Christian leaders fall at the end of the life when it seems like everything is going good. Has that ever bothered anybody? How many? Yeah, all right. We came to the conclusion there's two things missing. Number one is it's because you forget the cross. The moment you think Christianity is about self-aggrandizement as opposed to self-sacrifice, you're on the wrong side of Christianity. And Jesus goes, uh, I, 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 you, I, I never knew you. But the second thing, the moment any Christian leader forgets about washing his washing feet, he becomes dangerous. Yeah. Not annoying. Dangerous. Not embarrassing. No. Dangerous. I almost stepped in something, but maybe I'll step in Tuesday night, but not tonight. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and reclined the table, he said to them again, Do you know what I have done for, to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am. If I then, everybody say if. Yes. How many of you know if is contingent? Yes. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. If, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. How many of you know is ought is not a guarantee? Ought is, this is based on your response. I ought to save money for retirement, but all right, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> Do you get this? If ought. By the way, if you have people in your life who believe God micromanages the world, A, they should be Muslim. B, the whole Bible is if. If you do this, then do this as opposed to doing that. Why? Because God's not micromanaging the planet. He's telling us, act like Jesus. If, right? If, uh, if then I, Lord, teach or wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He's not sticking a gun to your head. Verse 15, for I give you an example of what you should do as I did. Should do. There's no gun there, is there? This is your choice. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is set greater than the one who sent him. If, everybody say if. Yeah. Yeah. You know these things. You are blessed if you do them. Do you see the contingency? If you, if you don't spend all the money you make, every check, you will be rich over time. If, what's the contingency? If, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The American church is obsessed with the finished work of the cross, and we should be. But we love the finished work of the cross but that means it starts the unfinished work of the church. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right? Verse 19, from now on I'm telling you before it comes to pass so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. That's in red. Because that is one of the eight times in John where Jesus butchers the Greek. He literally says in Greek that you may believe that I am I is. So does that sound bad in English? Yes. You'll believe that I am, I is. It sounds that bad in Greek. But what does I am, I is sound like? I am. Say it loud. I am that I am. The burning bush. 
This is one of eight times in, in, the, in John where Jesus butchers the Greek and he takes the verb and he takes the noun and he slams it together. I am, I is. To say to his disciples, I am God. When he said this exact same thing in John chapter 8, the Pharisees tore their garments. Why? Because they were in the presence of blasphemy. And he was blasphemed if he wasn't who he said he was. Technically, the disciples could have picked up rocks and stoned him right there. But they knew he was who he says he was. Is that good news? He was, he is. All right. Are you guys doing okay? Yeah. And then he concludes by saying, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. What is the mark of what a believer is according to Jesus? Love. Our love. Respect. Our love. And how we love people is how we respond to the love of Jesus. John's going to go on to say in his epistle, you can't say that you love God and say that you hate somebody. Does our world need to hear that? No. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If all your circumstances work out well. No. no. <laughs> but, come on. How many of you have had something go sideways in your life? And you say like the disciples, God, don't you love me? <laughs> Jesus is saying, your love for people is what's going to set you apart. And how did he just show the example of love? He washed their feet. Yes. See, this is the part of the story that makes Christianity so radical. You have God washing people's feet. No human being would have ever come up with that. Only in Christianity do you have a God that allows his enemies to crucify him. And while God, is while God is being crucified by his enemies, he's praying for his enemies. No human being would have ever come up with this. That's right. This is the picture of our God. And remember, God on the cross is just as biblical as God on the throne. And I just want to conclude with this. This is, uh, <coughs> I didn't get enough time to talk about this last one, but I want you to question. Look at your neighbor and say, slight subject change. 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 Starting new page. This is the end of his conversation. This goes back to what we looked at at the very beginning. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Is it God's will for you to live anxious? Look at the verse, folks. The verse. What does Jesus want us to have? Peace. Now, is this true whether you agree with it or not? Yeah. But what do we have to do? We have to agree with it. I have all the peace there is. So that in me you may have peace. And if you want to know what mental health sounds like, In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. That's what mental health sounds like. But I want you to notice something. How does Jesus start this sentence? In the world, what's the implication? This world isn't the only one. We don't mourn like others mourn because we know 
They open their eyes, if they're Christians, they open their eyes in the presence of Jesus. And time is so weird in heaven that they open their eyes in the presence of Jesus, they turn around, and all of a sudden, we're here. Lynn opened her eyes in the presence of Jesus, and she turned around, and there was her dad. I mean, it's just, I, I don't think you're in heaven for decades, or it doesn't feel like you're in heaven for decades before your loved ones come. I think it's just this constant moving forward of, of is that good news to anybody here with me? Yes. Okay? In this world, you have tribulation. Jesus is saying to all of us, this planet will bring horrific hardships. If you don't like it, find another planet. Trying. Exactly. Yeah. He, he doesn't. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Do you hear Jesus trying to explain evil in that verse? No. No. He just says it happens. Death is still the price of admission. It's still one per customer. Right. Yep. In the world, you have tribulation, but take <coughs> courage. Biblical peace. And biblical joy are far closer to English courage than they are to calmness. Peace is more like courage than it is calmness, just so you know. Peace is a filling, it's a focusing, far more than it's a feeling. So if you're just saying, you know what, life is knocking me down, but I keep getting back up, that's a lot more like peace than you think it is. That's more like biblical peace than going on a beach somewhere. In the world, you will have tribulation. Take courage. I have overcome the world. So, if I'm in Jesus, what does this mean? I can overcome whatever life throws at me. Right. Now, if I was to translate this, if this was, instead of uh, New America Standard, this was the Pastor Sean Standard, I would interpret it as, in the world, you have tribulation. I have overcome the world. So you can take courage. Because that's the point he's trying to get to, to tell his disciples. Even though I'm leaving, you, you've got it so much better because I go. Take courage. Don't be afraid. And then he goes on. And he says, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in their circumstances. In themselves. In themselves. In themselves. Do you notice that? Guys, get this. This is Jesus' will for all of us. His joy, his peace in ourselves. There's no guarantee in here that things are going to work out well. In fact, what's the guarantee? In the world, you're going to have tribulation. I love it when Blake and Amy and me are, are doing worship together because between the three of us, we probably know 20,000 worship choruses. I've never heard one that says, in the world you'll have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. We don't sing that, do we? But would you agree with me? If we understood this, our mental health would improve radically. Yep. Things go sideways. Well, that's what Jesus said was going to happen. I may not like it, but I can have courage because I'm a Jesus and Jesus is in the world. Do you see how this radically changes our perspective? And here's the other part I want you to catch. 
I'm going to go on. I'm going to come back to this. Verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Hated them. Friends, when you get healthy, and all your unhealthy friends are not happy with you, congratulations. Throw yourself a party. I am, I am not kidding. The moment one of your unhealthy friends starts throwing you shade because you're not doing what you used to do, the moment one of your unhealthy friends realizes they can't manipulate you anymore, go get a pizza. That's what victory looks like. Say that to the drum set. <laughs> drum set. When unhealthy people can't manipulate you and you don't let them, that's what victory looks like. Amen. Let them. Thank you. Okay? That's what victory looks like. I've changed my playground. I've changed my playmates. They're not happy. I must be doing the right thing. Had a great conversation with a friend of mine who's gone through an ugly divorce, and she told me all these horrible things her ex-husband is saying about her. And it's like, of course he's saying that horrible things. He's your ex. That's why you got away. If he was happy with you, you're doing the wrong thing. Right? Right. Uh, I've given you your word. The world's hated them because they are not, meaning the disciples are not of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not of the world. You're not of this world. If you want to know a great thing, I say this every morning. I hereby resign from the American dream. Yeah, it's going to be asleep for you, girl. Yeah. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. Now let's think about something. Christians in America have Christian music. We have Christian movies. We have Christian TV shows. We have Christian romance novels. I don't get that one. <laughs> we have created a situation where we can be out of the world and not be in the world. In the world. Is that what Jesus said? He said, in the world, but not of the world. of the world. Some Christians, in fact, a lot of Christians in America want to be in the world and of the world. That doesn't work. Jesus wants us to be in the world, but not of the world. Not motivated like the world is motivated. And I want you to notice something. He then says, but to keep them from the evil one. But to keep them. From the evil one. Edwin, raise your hand. Everybody say hi, Edwin. Hi. It does not take much for me to be kept from Edwin right now because we're across the room. But it would take something for me to be kept from Andrew because I'm right next to him. What's the implication of what Jesus is saying? The enemy is right there, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're seeing this? Yep. He's he saying, God... Keep them from what's killing them. But I want you to, um, I, I want to just go back really quick. I uh, go back to 13, but now I come to you in these things. I speak to the world so that there's intention, right? You buy lottery tickets so that you can win the lottery, right? Intention. I speak in the world so that they may, once again, is that a guarantee phrase? 
Or is that a contingent phrase? It's a contingent phrase. Contingent. He has to ask God so that they may. Who's the impetus on, folks? Us. Us. Now, would you agree? We would like to live in the joy of Jesus? Hello? Yes. Well, guess what? That's what he wants, too. Are you seeing that I'm not making this up this time? This is Jesus' will for you to have his joy full in yourself. Not in how your spouse treats you. Not in how your kids act. Thank God. Not in your circumstances. From here forward, every wedding I do, I'm going to talk about that verse. Yes, I will. Yeah. Hey, amen. Man. He's just saying amen. Yes. <laughs> this verse Hallelujah. is going to be in every wedding I do. Because if you go sit on my couch, we're talking about how you don't have peace and how you do have anxiety. And that's what makes the relationships fall apart. But for Christians... You should have enough joy in yourself that if you if, if your spouse treats you well, that's nice. But, but it's not necessary. necessary. You have as much joy as there is. You have as much peace as there is. So I can invest in you, whether you invest in me back or not. Now, there are breaking points. Don't hear me say they're not. Does, it, does everybody hear me say that? Yes. But for the most part. And by the way, I get a lot of get a lot of couples who have lived together and now there's problems and they always say everything was fine until we got married. Have you heard somebody say that before? Not that any of you have thought that. Can we clarify something? <laughs> the problem is not in the marriage. The problem is you're hard to live with. And your spouse is too. The problem is not the marriage. Problem is you got acting really selfish. That's right. It's not in the, it's not in marriage. It's because you solved easy problems earlier, and you turn around in about seven years, and there's something still wrong in your marriage that was wrong in your honeymoon. Right. Now, praise God, you solved easier answers. Right? Yeah. That's good. But the harder ones always come down to how you handle your anxiety. They do. And this verse, for Christians, is going to be in every wedding I ever do. Because if you have your joy full in yourself, you have the ability to stick through it when everything within you wants to run. And I'm going to be really honest. When Lynn and I had problems, for the three and a half years that we had problems, for a year and a half of it, when he was at the worst, the only reason we didn't get married is because divorce was so expensive. Yes, didn't get divorced. It's because divorce was so expensive. What happened? Our marriage was stronger than our troubles. Yes. That's the difference. When you have a marriage protecting the relationship, you can say, I can have some patience. I can be strong and flexible at the same time. I can learn to not overreact. I'm going to say that again because I think somebody didn't hear that. I can learn to not overreact at everything. 
That's right. But most importantly, I can learn to have Jesus' peace in myself. Because if I need you to make me feel peaceful, you just became my drug. And I have to start manipulating you, and I can't love you. Somebody can't create peace within themselves. They have to control every element of their lives. Would anyone agree you've been around someone like that and they're hard to love? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what does Jesus want for us? Folks, look at this. I speak in the world so that my, so they may have my joy made full in themselves. That's his will. That's his will. And who's getting in the way? And we serve a loving, gracious God who lets us screw up our life. <laughs> because the free will that destroyed my life can be the same free will that improves my life and improves all of your lives. That's right. Right? That's right. All right. Has this been helpful? Yes. yes. Um, okay, let's pray. Jesus in your name. We receive right now that we have all the peace there is. We have all the joy there is. We have all the love there is. And we today are making the commitment to get out of our own way. To let your life, peace, and healing flow through us. We refuse to be victims of our own thinking. We refuse to be victims of what other people have done to us. And you know, I just want to ask really quick. If you're here today and you just would want to say, I need to say, I need to accept Jesus even for the first time. Or I need to come back to Jesus. Or I just need to start over. You just raise your hand real quick. Don't be afraid. I want to pray for you. Good. Lord, in your name, for my brothers and sisters who are saying, I just need to be remembered so that I can restart my life and move forward. Just, just be with them. If this is the first time, let them just say, Jesus, I'm giving you the will. Come and, and take control of my life. I want to agree with you in everything. And if they're coming back, Jesus, just give them the courage to say, I need to look at every part of my life and say what agrees with Jesus and what doesn't. I'm thankful some things do, but there's some things I got I to gotta look at. Father, we're just grateful because we've all done this and we're all moving forward. And everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a good week.